0: This isn't anything that just is limited to the United States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. That UFO podcast is powered by Zencastr. Zencaster is one of the world's leading platforms for recording and hosting podcasts. The open beta strives to put the power of studio quality remote video production into the hands of anyone with a story to tell. Features include HD video recording, studio quality sound, chat and footnotes all running right from your browser so you can record from anywhere without ever installing anything check out the links in the show description to find out more hi everyone and welcome back to that ufo podcast delighted to see I'm being joined not by a guest this time but dan is back from colombia i think it's almost a month to the day since we recorded so dan welcome back
1: it's uh, it's nice to be back. It was an amazing adventure. And just before we say anything about it, I just want to say thank you to all the listeners who contributed to help send me. It was beautiful and it felt right that I'd been sent there to experience such a, it, it was very spiritual and I'll kind of explain when we do the longer form things. But yeah, it was a blessing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you
0: yes obviously really good to have you back dan it's been a strange old month i think i mentioned in the march update pod that the tech issues i had probably came at a good slash awful time because you being away <laughs> i was slightly ahead anyway with interviews and they were uploaded already if people saw how i recorded the diana Pasulka interview it was on a really really old laptop that uh almost died with the amount of i was using every single port on the laptop for connections and it died when I first hit record before Diana came on when I was <laughs> testing it. So I was proper panicking, but we managed to get it done, and I don't think anyone should notice anyway. Uh, but it's good to have you back. There's, I mean, there's a lot to talk about. A lot's happened in the world, let alone uh, I'm saying world. And people were commenting on that. A lot's happened around the globe um, <laughs> well you've been away, obviously. But in terms of UFOs, it's been it's been pretty busy as well. So this is a nice kind of recap for almost the the whole of February, including the last couple of days worth of news yeah. as well. Um, first up dan your your time away we're going to cover when the time's right on the podcast with ash and vinny and everything as well um i don't think it's any secret has been mentioned before that you guys it's a tv or it's a documentary it's a production you've had to sign ndas that's not anything to do with super secret government ufo stuff it's just no. that's what you do when you're making a production like that isn't it
1: yeah yeah for sure it's kind of standard practice and the, the way we treated all the stuff that we shot for ourselves was a kind of behind-the-scenes aspect of it. So it might be that everybody sees the documentary and then we can just fully open up about it and you know show all of the photos and videos that we shot around and, and share the conversations we had. Um, there's one particular hilarious moment that uh, that Vinny of Disclosure Team and the nickname DJ Disclosure. Uh, I won't spill the beans, but there's some funny funny moments there.
0: Nice. I look forward to it. Um, We were doing the Dan's Diary stuff and I got most of them out and then it died one day, didn't it, at the PC. And I was just totally set back. And it's only literally in the last 10 minutes I've managed to get all the stuff back up and running. I got my PC back last night. I've got the Mac, which was a whole conversation that was had at the time online as well. Thanks to everyone who supports the pod, because without that, I couldn't have went and got the the setup back as quickly as i did and uh my wife very much appreciates it as well so so thank you very much folks um dan when can we expect the trailer for phenomenology
1: uh, i would expect the trailer asap um i've seen a number of cuts of it already uh you know we we get to feedback like ashley said as kind of on on a producing level to kind of say hey maybe try this try this um and, it, and it's actually really nice that it feels like a you know, uh, almost a, a student film, but it certainly doesn't look that way. You know, I've shown you the trailer and you you said that it looked fantastic production-wise, so that, that bodes it's, well.
0: I don't know if you could say that or not, but yes, I've seen the trailer <laughs> and it does look uh, phenomenal. I'll use that pun. Um, it looks very clean and crisp. And like I said to folks, when we do get to discussing it, I'm not going to pull punches with questions and hopefully I get to see an early copy of... I'm a little
1: scared of you, you know. You should, you should, you
0: should be because... Uh, Like I say, I I, I was pretty critical of shows like uh, the observers and what may or may not have been shown within those and um, a few other documentaries we've talked about as well so i'm not going to be, just be really nice because i get on with yourself and ashley and and yeah, yeah, it'll, be, it'll be scrutinized as well as it should be and if it's not what i enjoy in a documentary i'll, I'll certainly say that anyway folks but i'm looking forward to it because yes production wise it does look fantastic as well so really interested to see that and keep an out on that soon you can subscribe to the phenomenology youtube channel uh, we'll put the link in the description, Dan, if you can make a note for that, because I, yeah, I'm getting sure. better at that, but still not 100% on it yet. Um, I will put those in there. And the YouTube folks are the worst ones for chasing me up on <laughs> saying I'm going to put a link in the description then and I don't do it. And then I, I go in the comments afterwards. So uh, we do try and get there, folks. Um, next up, another documentary that's coming out, uh, I believe, in April is A Tear in the Sky part of uapx's long-awaited production they've talked about um, you can check out a tear in the sky dot com again link in the description it's a tear in dodgy accent again that's got a trailer expected very very soon i again would expect high production values the uapx group uh, gary verhees and co it's a big group they have they've promised quite a lot with this as well haven't they again they've mentioned they've got a, a strict nda they are under but they're certainly not shy and i'm not saying they're overhyping or anything I, I don't think so but they're they're really confident that they've got some very good data they've potentially got some some good footage if i'm reading between the lines and this is certainly something that we should be looking forward to what are your kind of aspirations or hopes for that one dan
1: yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it i i think the the speculation around it kind of proves the point as to why you know these ndas exist it's basically to say you know whatever we found we're not going to speculate about but it will be shown when the final piece is shown um and kind of playing that hand early and saying you know we have 600 hours of data um certain anomalies might be present and we don't know what to make of them it's it's a little bit cut before the horse i i almost wish you know everyone just bit their tongue until it was just there to present um but but i'm excited to see what they found um especially in the they they were working with some people who will apply some scientific rigor and logic to it try and get some repeatability out of it and so i i think it's going to be a, a very productive documentary and data set
0: do you know what i think safe to say and this this comes with kind of years of watching these types of shows as, as a fan and everything and especially in the last 18 months or almost two years actually doing this podcast now um which is crazy it's been two years almost that you're not going to get you know disclosure or whatever that means to you in one of these documentaries. That includes, you know, Dan, uh, Dan and Ash's documentary, Phenomenology, uh, the the phenomenon with James Fox.
1: Oh, I, I don't know. We 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 met some beings in the mountain, and we we had to ask how they'd like to be credited. And you know, some of them mentioned Anjali. It got pretty awkward.
0: I'm, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm kidding get, for what it's I'm, worth. I'm sure that'll get cut out the final one. That'll be a bonus extra one for the beings <laughs> that we met. But but that that's the thing, though that. It, skinwalker ranch i'm 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 trying to name as many as I can here unidentified the series for uh, the phenomenon with James Fox his new one the phenomenon too none of these documentaries are going to contain you know here's disclosure here is concrete proof of that smoking gun footage that's fully one hundred percent confirmed by everyone in scientists and government because that sort of event would be breaking news tonight it would be the the NASA announcement ten p m you know worldwide announcement. That's yeah, what yeah, you would absolutely. get. So any documentary, it it's with... going to be it's going to be informative. Sorry, I was going to say yeah. that that's it. And it's going to be what you want to take from it as well. So I think yeah, with yeah, any absolutely. of these things, people just have to temper their expectation. Don't go into it hoping for it's going to show me definitive proof that UFOs exist.
1: We know they exist, but you know what I mean, folks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're we're kind of at a point where these documentaries can provide like confirmation or backup for that confirmation. Lou was speaking about that the other day. Um but you, you're not going to you know if someone presents a, a bit of material and says that's a ufo in a documentary you're going to want to see that material you want you see the analysis mm-hmm. you want it to get it to gary nolan to do analysis and you know it's not just about putting an image on screen i think we all know by this point that that's pretty easy to fake yeah and for years we, uh, and
0: to make a point thinking of everything i've just named there is in the last four years or less maybe even three years with the phenomenon unidentified uh, obviously a tear in the sky is coming out the, pheno- the before that, it was always a handful of documentaries that you would point to for, for UFO documentaries, but now we've got more and more coming out. But what we've also got is the the science being involved with them as well. Like you say, it's no longer that found footage or here's some clips of UFOs. What we've got is scientists and data being presented to people as well because I think the demands of what people want from these types of, of features has increased so much. And the bar with like the, the phenomenon with James Fox was set so high that there's not much point in making anything else that's that's not going to try and at least adhere to that sort of standard. Safe to say the uh, phenomenology set out in Columbia is quite a, a focus on a specific phenomenon in a specific area. So you don't expect that huge, huge, huge budget that maybe other documentaries may have or have had in traveling around the world but like james fox with the virginia case you're going to get a great look at one particular area the people involved the human side of it but also now the science involved in it as well and like you say the production values are at least a minimum you would
1: expect now going forward yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you know, it's no secret that an iPhone can shoot 4K video now in, you, you know, ProRes video. That's about as professional as you can get. Um, you, you know, those, those codecs are used on film sets, actual film sets and TV shows now. You know, the way that they used to use GoPros, the phone is just versatile. It's light. It's cheap. You, you know, you can just. So the like you said, the the bar for great production is a lot more accessible or a lot more a lot easier to jump over these days um yeah
0: let me ask dan but with those uh high-res phones that we have now why have we still not got a decent picture of a ufo I'm joking. I'm joking. Just, I mean, right. I was going to
1: answer you. I, I'll give you an answer. <laughs> Basically, the phones are there to shoot people in front of you, uh, the phone cameras, and that's what they're optimized for, not shooting things very far away. And I, I think Samsung and Huawei have some really cool kind of periscope lenses that we get those zooms on. Um, Apple are a little ways away from it, but I think, I think it's coming. We're, we're kind of hitting those special use cases now. You know, they're very good general cameras, but in terms of specialist zoom in, close up. um, You know, we've got some ways to go. There's even a phone that has a FLIA camera on it, and you can kind of cycle through the modes, but it's an Android one, and it's not made by any reputable manufacturer. But it just goes to show how accessible these technologies are becoming.
0: Yeah, so there you go, folks. Listen, let's move on, Dan. Lots to still talk about. Uh, Luis Elizondo has a new media run. He doesn't just pop up now and again. He tends to do these things in a cluster. Um, he's already appeared on Christina Gomez. He has already appeared with uh, Vinny from Disclosure Team. Uh, he was also on with Sean Cahill on that one and some other guy, Dan, wasn't he? Some other man- dude, yeah. You managed Ressa to muscle Trump your way in. <laughs> you muscled your way in on the, the marquee, which was uh, upsetting.
1: Yeah, that but- was a, a pinch me moment. And yeah, it was upsetting for some people. You know,
0: <laughs> it was like ordering like a really nice steak and someone coming out with a really poor salad on the side but making you eat it. Yeah,
1: how dare you speak about cahill <laughs> like that?
0: <laughs> oh, Sean, I <will> love that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was uh, I've not managed to catch all up on all these shows yet. I've actually got because Lou is of course coming on uh, with ourselves in a couple of weeks. Um, I've kept them all for when I'm getting ready to research and write that interview, and I'll go through as many interviews as I can to make sure as usual folks we don't repeat stuff and we make it fresh and everything else that, that goes along with that as well but how how was that dan was there much uh and of interest as such which i'm sure there was
1: yeah i i really enjoyed it you know sean came on uh sean cahill came on to uh that ufo podcast discord uh which is accessible for for patreon members and he did a bit of a q a that turned into a video chat with the audience which was amazing and organized during that, chaos yeah organized chaos and uh and he he said that basically there's a question that lou should be asked and we should we should kind of be interested in the answer and the question was what it means to be human and we had the opportunity to ask lou and sean that question during the chat on disclosure team Vinny's channel so i'd recommend people go and have a listen to the answers of those because they're very insightful and and both sean and lou are very um well we'll say kind of spiritual sean more so uh, very very humanist and uh, a chaotic time in the world like this, it, it's nice to hear such positive words about what it is to be human.
0: Why do you think Lou is doing this run now, Dan, through these various podcasts and outlets? Because again, i don't think he's just decided that you know i fancy doing some podcasts over the next few weeks and taking up several hours of my day each day to to go through those as much as uh it goes on podcasts big and small which is which is great for for loads of different people to, to cover their platforms and speak to lou and have their kind of voice heard but why now are we getting ramped up for something something new potentially
1: possibly i i think there's also an aspect of since the last time we did a round of interviews, there's been a lot more interest in the subject, and there's going to be people kind of coming in and catching up, and it gives those people an opportunity to ask some questions um, and get some new information. Because new people means new angles, means new questions, and and some of them pick up on things that we we haven't, you know, us that are in it every day, simply neglecting to ask almost. Um, so yeah, it, it's really great that he does this to to get those extra angles.
0: I've had some great listener questions sent over already for Lou. Um, But like I say, I I would rather hold off. Lou was very kind to say that the interview was meant to be last week, but he offered that if I waited a few weeks, he could give me more time, which I'm always happy to. I'll wait a couple of weeks for an extra 10 minutes, let alone an extra half hour. Yeah, for sure. um, Yeah, keep the questions coming in, folks, as much as I can. I'll build them into the body of the interview and ask what I can. But as always, time is limited. So so thanks very much for for sending those over but I look forward to speaking to Lou in a couple of weeks time. Dan next up uh, this is one that you put down yourself Robert P Storch president Biden's nominee for the DOD IG um pressed by senator Gillibrand or Gillibrand about UAPs this was the
1: a few weeks ago now wasn't it yeah, this happened while I was out in Colombia. Uh, Robert P. Storch is yeah Biden's nominee, as you said, for Inspector General of the Department of Defense. Um, we know that the IG is investigating the DOD's handling of UAP at the moment. Uh, so it was great to see Senator Gillibrand bring it up and ask how familiar he was with the issue. Um, basically, he, uh, he confirmed that he's not very familiar, but said that if he was confirmed, he'll follow through with current efforts involving the comprehensive assessment of the subject, um and then Gillibrand really held his feet to the fire and basically said, you know, make sure you do, kind of thing, um, It in was speak, we'll say.
0: Yeah, it was like a teacher scolding another teacher in school and, uh, you know, one of the more respected teachers because he didn't seem to fuss, did he? Even when no. it was almost, he wanted to make sure it was a throwaway comment and a throwaway answer, and yeah. she she didn't let that happen, and like you say, she very much stamped her authority and let him know that, you know, You've you've got to do this. I'm telling you to do it. So make sure you do. Otherwise, your 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 nominations under threat. Which was which was really interesting. And again, I'm sure that that's done in so many other aspects of the conversation. And so many more questions are asked that we don't have an interest in or don't see. But it was great. It was done under the the guise and premise talking about UFOs and UAP where no no we're taking this seriously now so get yourself up to speed which was great to see and i think there was a lot of conversation i had at the time online on twitter the videos have been shared by everyone and the the comments and the clips and yeah it was it was great to see it was nice to see him squirming
1: yeah yeah it's always nice to see official squirming because of uap uh the the cherry on that one of course being biden when he tried to run away from the podium and got all tangled up in wires
0: yeah uh, president biden's not had a great couple of days it looks like from reading the not to get political when i get loads of folk getting in touch who are on the right or on the left in the u.s politics i don't particularly care either way like it's it's they all they
1: all kind of do the same thing you, but you know right right here i'm just going to interject and in saying in Colombia, we there were some conversations some of the people there were on very opposite sides of the aisle in terms of Political allegiances or mm-hmm. tastes, you know, however you want to preferences. Well, I'll say political preferences. Um, and we managed to, you know, there were five, six, seven of us, and we all managed to pull all that stuff aside to solve the case. And all of us had very permanent, pertinent questions in terms of solving these things. So it didn't matter what side of the aisle they were from. You know, they helped the case. Um, just a little small microcosm of example of of what you were just saying, basically.
0: Absolutely, and again, politics aside, folks, you know these are the people, Republican, Democrat, whatever you are, wherever you're based in different countries that are going to potentially be working on this topic. And we're just looking for for progress. So that's it. And again, the politics aside, some of these people vote for some nasty things and some awkward things and horrible things in their time. But from a UFO point of view, that's what we focus on. And that's what we know. I don't know enough about UK politics, let alone US. So you have to let me off with that one. And if not, rufflecopter i don't know i can't really say much more kind of <laughs> people are going to be like rufflecopter look it up google very, it. yeah you just aged yourself tremendously yeah You're very, very early <laughs> yeah oh maybe even slightly later than nineties, but yeah early <laughs> 2000s at most um dan next one if you don't mind taking that for me Secnav FOIA uap because i've just seen you tweeting about this today
1: yeah for sure so th- this was a real interesting one the the secretary of navy um foyer reading room Hosts uh, or hosted those three videos initially uh, Flea, Go Fast, uh, and Gimbal. And they've been adding documents over the course of the last few years. And today, a whole bunch more documents got added, about 16 by my count. Um, I basically wrapped them all up in a neat file and put them somewhere for people to download so you can find my tweet. There'll be a link in the description to that. Um, but there were a number of things in there that were interesting. So, firstly, there was a UAP classification guide. Um, that told people what they could and couldn't speak about in terms of UAP, which was very interesting. There was a lot of redacted text in it, just lots of black boxes. Um, yeah. And they emphasized that just because something is unclassified, it doesn't mean it's okay for public release, which, of course, was a, a point of debate on the, the I, I want to say the DD9910 form, I think it was, that Lou, Lou Elizondo applied for the those three videos to be released under um it was unclassified but you know they're kind of making the distinction now um it def- I just make a point on that because yeah, I, sure. I think i've brought this up
0: before but and it, it happens from time to time in conversation there are so many reasons like you say why something can't be declassified or at least even given to public for consumption and that's not always just to do with the technology for example i've used this and there would be so much more but just that for example where the pictures may be taken it could be that let's use a really current example it could be that it would be the us over russia for example and they just happen to be in an area where they shouldn't be but there was a a uap or ufo incursion they took a photograph so from a classified point of view they, they can see where it is and it might be a camera phone or it might be tech or a video that we think shows the video but actually where the video or picture was taken is the classified portion of it and not even necessarily the fact there's a UFO in the background. Yeah, yeah, So there's all these kinds of reasons, which is rubbish. I'm not saying I stick up for that and I'm all for that. I want to see whatever we need to see. But th- that's even the kind of stuff that people don't necessarily think about. And until I was told about it, I was like, ah, right, okay, so there's something else I'd never even considered before.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. They, they mentioned that here, actually, that basically the, the classification default for something is akin to the most classified thing in that setting or picture. So like you say, if they were in a location that they weren't meant to be, everything would be classified because of that location. Even if you took a picture on your camera phone of a black square, you just wouldn't be allowed to share it because of the location. Um, so yeah, they, they certainly tend to overclassify things um, by default and then work backwards from there, which I, I think has come up as an issue for a lot of politicians in America mm. that the DoD are kind of overextending that, that, those classifications. Um, they define an uh, identified aerial phenomena as basically any aerial phenomena that can't be immediately identified, uh, which is like a nice broad swath of, of things. Um, and there's a, a really interesting table in the document that labels what's classified, what's unclassified with regard to UAP. In terms of unclassified, there are five, five or six things specified. So they're allowed to talk about the terms and what it means. They're allowed to talk about the witnesses and the systems uh, picking up UAP, but they're not allowed to specify the time and place. They're allowed to specify there's an increase in frequency in recent years without, again, when, where, how, who, you know, so on and so mm-hmm. forth. They're allowed to talk about the fact there's a Navy effort to gain insight into the nature, origins, capabilities, performance, signatures, and operations of the UAP. Again, not allowed to specify exactly what those things are. They're allowed to talk about the task force, and the task force is remit. Um, and then just below that, in the table, there's a whole section labeled intelligence collection, exploitation, analysis, and products. And obviously, that's going to be the interesting stuff. And it's all classified, I'm afraid. <laughs> yep. Uh, but, I, but I thought it was interesting that it says that they're not allowed to talk about the where, when, and we have gotten some of the where, when, you know, through even, even in this, these file releases, there are some deck logs that specify the where and when of these incursions. Um, so I wonder if something shifted since this document was created that enables them to to talk a bit more about that.
0: I think we'll put the links again for that in the description, folks, because, Dan, you've put it all in kind of one handy place as well, haven't you? But as you say, you're still going through those and it's that fresh. I've not even had the chance to look at those yet. Um, Something that was a little bit hot, hot off the press and and a same sort of topic where John Greenwald has just mentioned that there were some uh, declassified uh, briefings. Released, yeah. This was in the
1: same pile. Was it the same pile? Was, yeah, I wasn't. Yeah.
0: I wasn't too sure. I saw You're it was psychic, all...
1: I think this was the next thing on my list now. Right.
0: Okay. Yeah. So it was. um I saw the kind of tweets coming in as I was. I was doing some stuff and work and everything else. And it seems to show, if I'm right, without doing 100% of the digging yet or even asking you, this is how off the cuff this is, folks. I'm putting Dan on the spot. They seem to have released one of the Snoopy team's actual photographs from one of the drone
1: incursions. Over the was it the Omaha or the Russell? Yeah, you mean like the the three three dots essentially on a portrait photographic image. Um that's a flea image, I think it is, but it just shows essentially three things in the air. You you can't really get any details.
0: There but there's another picture of an actual drone. Like uh, a, a full-on quadcopter type drone.
1: Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I take it that's a legit picture and not just one that's been used for for demo purposes on there.
1: Well, the trouble is that a lot of the captions are, are blanked out, so you can't see where they're attributed to. And we're go-
0: we're going to use some behind the scenes magic here, Dan. I'm going to pause, and then we're going to come back and know the so... answer as to what it was. Yeah, right, Yeah, yeah, Let's right back, it. folks. I am delighted to welcome a new sponsor to the podcast, Vino Vest. As you all know, I've got a young family, and I'm always looking at ways I can save and invest for the future. Fine wine has long been a cornerstone of wealth generation and preservation. The problem? Historically, it's been reserved for the ultra-wealthy. Vinovest is changing that. Vinovest is a platform allowing investors to own 100% of their portfolio and easily buy, sell or drink from their collection of fine wines. After missing out on all those next big things to invest in, I'm always looking for what is the next big player in the industry. I was amazed at how easy it was to get started in diversifying your investment portfolio. Wine has one third the volatility of the stock market and has outperformed the global equities market over the past 30 years with 10.6% annualised returns, proving that the returns can be as robust as your favourite red. Vinovest makes it easy to acquire new investments, equipped with a team of world-class sommeliers who evaluate wine and determine which ones will gain value over time. You own the wines in your portfolio outright. You can buy, sell and even drink them whenever you want. Enjoy historical returns, direct ownership of world-class wines, portfolio diversity and robust recession resistance go to zen.ai forward slash that ufo pod zero, that's the number zero. The link is also in the description to receive two months of fee-free investing. That's two months of fee-free investing. It's time to start investing with VinoVest today. We're back folks and Dan and I have spent several minutes now looking at the the tweets. Like I say they came out about an hour ago on the timeline so we were still we're about about to record basically when we looked. I'm not much further forward than on what John's presenting exactly because at a glance it looks like, well, here's the events that we initially thought were potentially UAPs, but on the same slide there's an unclassified picture of what is like a quadcopter drone. So is yeah. John getting at that, well, that's what the event was because that's the way it comes across. For sure,
1: I don't think that's necessarily the case, is it? The The context is important, I think. In In that tweet the jumper out, we've got the DD1910 the form. That's the one that Lou, I got that wrong a second ago. I said 9910. But 1910, uh, that's the one that Lou submitted and mm-hmm. specified UAS, basically, on, on to, to get those out on the form. Um, then you've got another separate email. And then you've got another separate thing again that is from the release today that is from a briefing that was being put together if you read those run of emails they're talking about draft briefings and that image pops up um, or that slide pops up as part of that conversation Mm -hmm. we can see the contents on the briefing the october 23rd briefing that's the only thing that's not redacted in there and i guess this slide Um, and the contents have background they have task force partnership potential threat fleet and air crew perceptions data examples foreign interactions and addressing the problem i imagine that this is probably a slide from data examples it's just an example of data being collected. Here's, here's during what an it incursion. could be. Yeah, yeah exactly. here's what it could be because
0: we have seen one of these potentially in the past. But I've seen people already in the comments saying that that type of drone that's pictured, uh, they've got it themselves and it can't fly that far out. And I think what we're also missing and we're not going to have is all that extra data as well, isn't it? That
1: Yeah, um, exactly. You're, you're going to be able to, you know, people getting those briefings will probably be asking, you know, were there other data to corroborate this kind of stuff? And The ones that we can take a picture of and see that it's a quadcopter, they're not anomalous. But I've said this before, you know, it's going to be in the same data pile because it all falls outside the remit of the current technical capability that we have. Um, You you know, that's broadening. So we're starting to see all these other objects and these stranger objects that are playing in those areas, possibly even, you know, using that, hiding in plain sight and presenting themselves as, as anomalous. Uh, but, like I said before, again, that doesn't work unless there's something actually anomalous to be confused with. Sure.
0: And again, that's not to say, folks, that some of these or many of these incidents aren't some form of drone. But I think, and we don't want to go on about other things going on in the world too much just now. There's plenty of that in the news. But when you hear about, and, and we've said it, we always say US, Russia, and China in terms of technology, it certainly seems that the argument that this could be Russian technology is on the the way down the pecking order isn't it because you're looking at what's happening in ukraine just now and i doubt that's russian technology not to say it's not chinese but we've seen china china recently testing a hypersonic missile that flew around the earth the u.s claimed they knew nothing about i would doubt that again but yeah it's interesting and i'm sure john will clear up more as people ask questions and i would encourage folks to to jump on there and john's always more than happy to answer these and the
1: yeah in his quest quest for truth
0: john John is
1: very familiar with a lot of the acronyms and the way that those processes work so i'm sure he'll see some things in the emails either side of that slide that that many other people wouldn't so yeah maybe maybe i'll ping him back actually after we record and just say hey shed some light on the context of this
0: yeah, Andy's an idiot. Can you make it simple for him? That would be great. <laughs> so yeah, um, again, something else that dropped in the last day or two. Uh, first off, Ryan Sprague had teased a little bit of news uh, from Daniel Otis. He's written an article on Vice. Uh, the Canadian government has released around 20 years worth of UFO sightings and reports from police officers, pilots, civilians. Um, it's got your your usual mix in there, but there's some really interesting reports within that too and I think what I always enjoy is that it's not coming from the US because we hear so much about the US and it's great to see other countries getting involved uh, and being a little more potentially transparent on the subject. The The name Chris Rutkowski is brought up within the body of the article, a Canadian researcher. He's coming on the podcast at the end of March. I'm just waiting and getting a date for that as well because his new book's coming out. Uh, Ca- Canada's UFOs Declassified so probably pretty good timing Uh, i believe some of these reports were actually dug up through through chris rakowski as well so uh pretty interesting what were your thoughts dan
1: yeah it's amazing both daniel otis and and chris have done some incredible work over the past few years and it's great to see them getting some of the the credit for the work because they they're truly finding a stack a whole stack of data that we just Mm. didn't know existed um Um, And some really interesting events because they're all, well, not all, but some are corroborated between multiple witnesses or multiple censors. So again, a really interesting data pile.
0: Um, On that, we'll have to give Ryan Sprague a shout out because he has already had uh, Daniel Otis on his channel. Well, actually, Chrissy Newton of The Debrief and other podcasts has just joined Somewhere in the Skies as Ryan's co-host. And she has done the interview, I believe, solo with Daniel Otis. You can check that one out. It was on Ryan's Patreon, Early Access, which I'm a member of. I I would encourage. And you know what? As a, a quick aside, there's still a lot of arguing going online on the social media side of things, Dan. People, there's lots of great content out there. Support who you want. Don't support who you don't want to. You don't have to listen. You don't have to watch. You know, I appreciate anyone who listens and checks this one out. Um, you might not always like the guests and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And that goes for anyone's shows. But I think we're just lucky. There's a lot of selection and choice out there just now from a variety of people. Ryan is one of those, of course, as, as well as many others who do a really good job. And uh, I would always say if you can and you're in a position to support, listen early, um, early access ad free or listen on the free feeds which is equally as important to to any of us creating content as well so so thanks very much and well done to to ryan and chrissy getting that interview out there so quickly as well as the the article broke fair enough dan
1: yeah yeah absolutely um just wanted to say big congratulations to chrissy and ryan as well they make a fantastic team um and and they're both a uh, ferocious amount of passion for this subject so i think we're we're very lucky to have them
0: yeah, definitely. So yeah, go and check that one out, folks, as well. Check out the article, and I might reach out to to Daniel Lotus myself to to get him on to have a chat through that as well. So, but yeah, I'm sure. Again, it's on my list. I've not listened to the full interview yet, but I, I've heard clips of it, and Chrissy does a great job within that too. Dan, interesting one I saw uh, last week or two weeks ago being advertised was Gary McKinnon an AMA on Reddit. Now, Gary McKinnon was famously the hacker who broke into NASA's systems, and allegedly, found evidence of an AT cover-up. I have tried a couple of times over the last year to get Gary on the podcast. He's always been very kind and responded that uh, initially he wasn't looking to do, it, to do interviews. Um, he said potentially next year. That was very recently. So I've put that one back in the books, folks, of 2023 to get in touch with Gary. Um, but he has felt comfortable enough to come out and do an interview um, on unwritten text format uh, as part of Reddit's AMA. Uh, a few highlights for me Uh, and reading through that folks and again we'll put the link in the description um he was asked about Stephen greer early on and he uh, said and i quote i feel that anyone who can do that on their own uh, that was ce5 without the need to spend a shed load of coin um he brings up uh, Lou Elizondo and Stephen Greer at different points. He talks about seeing the list of non-terrestrial officers. Now, this is, I suppose, one of the biggest claims that Gary has come out with. He got in a lot of trouble, of course, for, for doing this, um, with names and ranks of officers. When he was asked on the, the chat, Dan, about the Do you remember any of the names that you saw? For example, bear in mind this was done back in the day with a fifty-six k dial-up modem. Yeah, very slow. Yeah, the picture he saw and the the information he was getting was like taking a long time to download. It was, if you remember the old days, folks. If you're listening to this and you're you're younger than thirty, you might not even know this, but there was a time when you downloaded a picture and it came on the the screen line by line, (laughs) almost like it was being printed off on your screen for you. So, um gary was accessing the information that way uh via illegal methods we have to say hacking into well, NASA I, systems. I mean
1: we we say hacking i'm just going to clear this up because i know there's going to be some computer people out there going it's not hacking it really wasn't hacking uh it, it was basically doing screen sharing um and gary gary just used uh, a screen sharing app to see the screen he, he saw a bunch of files and was presented with a choice whether to download them or to open it right there and then and see if he could grab a screenshot or something and uh Yeah, I guess I guess he made the wrong choice, but I I think a lot of us would would go for the just view it now kind of thing. Yeah, Uh, but it, it meant that the image came up on screen. Someone saw that he was accessing it and just, you know, disconnected very quickly.
0: I like how you've cleared up hacking like at uh, the end of the first Jurassic Park movie where the girl says she's a hacker <laughs> and all she does is guess the
1: password um, yeah, to get and, into and the pretty system. Yeah, just uses a normal, like a really weird layout for a computer as well. To, yeah. To go between collections of little buildings. Very strange.
0: So, <laughs> do you know what? To be fair, Gary said himself on the on the AMA that someone said, why didn't you just take a print out of, because he claims to have seen a picture of one of these, he's uh, it wasn't a tic-tac, not quite a saucer to quote Sean Cahill. Um, it was <laughs> a cigar shaped almost object with some, some domes on the top and on the side. There's a, that's right, yeah. there's a, a sketch of it or a CGI re- rendering of it on the AMA. Again, check out the link folks. Um, he, he doesn't believe that it's faked. He believed it was a real picture. And um, he believes because he only saw the top third of the planet that he's always just assumed it was earth. It wasn't anywhere else. Um, Someone asked him, why didn't you just print the screen? Like you you mentioned, Dan, about print screen. And he says at the time, given what he was doing, it was pretty tense. And when he saw this image appear on the screen, he was like, wow. And he said he grabbed the desk and just, like you say, you, you view only. He was taking yeah. it in and didn't think to hit print screen. Frustrating. The same, the, but. The same
1: reason I think a lot of people, you, you know, why, why didn't you take a camera and record? I don't know. I was in awe at seeing something that I thought was from another planet, maybe, and it just took me a second to gather my wits. And by the time that happened, it was gone, you know?
0: Yeah. 100% and he also got asked about the the lists of names does he remember any he said some of them seemed a little bit polish potentially if that gives you an indication of, of maybe some of the the names of these non-terrestrial officers it's which is basically at. on the list right <laughs> he, he did yeah I'll leave that <laughs> in and not cut that one out Dan. <laughs> Jimmy's going to hunt you down for that um but the the, the the names of these officers apparently working in potentially secret space ops, which again he's asked about and he mentions that he does believe in his opinion there are secret space operations. He believes we have a, potentially a base on the moon which is researching and investigating structures up there from perhaps ancient civilizations that long since died off or moved on from this planet that we're on now. Pretty interesting opinion. Um, but I, th- I think yeah, I have to is. stress he's not, he never admitted uncovering evidence of that that's just his opinion based on yeah on that's things gonna he's be form, areas.
1: yeah
0: um, dan you just shared a channel didn't you on um ancient civilizations a really good discussion that's Again, right it's pretty on pretty that list there. i've got to work through um yeah. can you put a note to put the link in the description for that please
1: yeah for sure
0: uh, we did tweet about it last night, but again, not everyone's on social media, so it's a. Uh, and I appreciate that, and I think we're doing better at getting and getting the messages out there to everyone, <laughs> uh, not just those that are on Twitter and such as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, so that that video was basically about looking at potential past alien civilizations on this planet and by alien just mean different to us um, and how that would show up in the fossil record. It was very interesting. And, and basically the, the learn from it is the right kind of natural disaster would leave no trace of, uh, of an advanced civilization in the fossil record at all. Uh, they would be reduced to, to dust and liquid. Yeah, basically. So all, all of the speculation about the past of earth, um, it's, we, we can only get to a certain point with actual evidence, and after that, it, there's a lot of conjecture.
0: Or it could be buried under miles of ice somewhere as well. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah, I hope not, you know, yeah, no. <laughs> um, and a couple, a couple of other things I thought were pretty interesting on there. Um, again, he shares his opinion on the current open position that the government seems to be portraying in terms of the discussions we're getting with senators getting involved, as we've talked about, and the the UAP office. And he says he believes it's the start of the false alien, uh, false flag, alien invasion psyop, which again is a pretty out there opinion. It's one we've discussed, not one myself or yourself share. But I know there are people listening to this just now who who will see that as, as an option and who knows. But uh, again, interesting take from Gary and another one. He was asked about the NASA administrator, Bill Nelson, and his openness to discuss the subject and we have found it quite encouraging we've discussed that dan haven't we but he said we don't know about their intentions et so if i was in charge i would hide it from the public until i knew a lot more many of us can easily accept the possibility of alien lives many others are actually horrified by the possibility it really bends their world view so, yeah, um, some interesting opinions on there, folks. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot on there that Gary has answered, basically saying, I don't know. I never saw. I, and it's you can get through it pretty quick, to be honest. It's a really interesting read. Um, you might not learn too much new, but I think it's interesting having someone like Gary have that conversation again to a newer, more up-to-date audience, especially as something like Reddit grows and grows and grows with yeah. younger generations on there as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Same, same as I guess we were saying earlier about Lou's you know, new media kind of tour, that it's good to bring new people this information because not everyone knows everything.
0: That's right. But Dan and I will still be poring over this interview with Lou with a fine-tooth comb to make sure it's <laughs> as good as it can be as we normally do. Um, and last up, folks, we've got a James Webb telescope update. It's been a month. A lot has happened in that month, yeah. I'm sure, with the telescope. Dan, where are we at?
1: So basically, the, the telescope is at the Lagrange point, L2. Uh, that's where it's going to be orbiting for, for the foreseeable future. Um, that's one million miles away, um, n- nice and conveniently, <laughs> just, just for repeating that number. Um, you can actually go on the NASA website and track it. As it, Again, that's going to be in the link where we'll put the tracker link there. At the moment, it's aligning all of its mirrors, basically, so it can see and it can focus. There, there was an image released not too long ago of... I think there was about sixteen stars and eighteen, first, I believe 18. eighteen. So, at first glance, I, I thought they were all different stars. But upon doing some reading, we, we kind of found out that actually the mirrors were all looking at one star and taking their own images of it, and they're going to use that star to align all of the focus. Um, it it seems a lot more involved than just kind of you know an autofocus on your SLR camera or phone or something like that. Um, so yeah, very I, I very seen it at the stuff. time.
0: Quite a lot of the comments on that the official James Webb Twitter was that it looked like a waste of money because look at that bloody image. But like you say, there was a reason for that. And I think I talked yep. about that on one of the pods not long ago as well, that it's calibrating. And it's uh, like you say, it's not a quick calibration. It takes time. These objects, you know, these, these mirrors are aligning themselves way, way out. in as you say, a million yep. miles away in space. And it is literally is it millimeters or even less than that they probably move by less
1: you know a lot less than that because we're you know we're looking at distant points of light as opposed to just the area in front of us um so yeah there's a lot of work that goes into this and
0: when are we going to get a fully functional james webb telescope done by at this point
1: well th- this process takes a few months um probably we're looking at another like six weeks of you know just doing the alignments and the correction and stuff and then we'll be working as one mirror instead of lots of different segments um and then we should start getting our first uh, first images from it
0: Awesome. Look forward to that. Uh, Dan, that's pretty much us caught up for the month of February. Um, there was a lot to go through, so uh, that was great. I did mention on the preview pod, folks, coming up, the listener call in dates will be announced. I'll get those sorted hopefully by the weekend for for dates next week. If you want to call in for the listener call in, it'll be myself and potentially Dan on as well. Um, email ufouapam at gmail.com and let me know you want a listener call in slot, and I'll get those up soon. Uh, if you're looking to check out the new interview with Diana Pasulka, it's getting lots of really great feedback. She was brilliant to speak to. I got that one up nice and early because of the tech problems I was having and just wanted to make sure if anything else did happen, that it was already out and published. So it's available on all the paid platforms. Yeah, I know, behind the paywall. However, it does go on to the free platforms, as always, folks, and that'll be on the 7th of March. So on the 7th of March, it'll be on Patreon, Apple, Spotify. But if you want to spend like 50 pence, a dollar, whatever it might be, and get early access, you can do that now. Uh, you can also check it out in full on video on YouTube as well if you sign up to the, the Members Lounge. And the YouTube channel is Dan's Baby, so you're supporting Dan directly if you, if you sign up on that <laughs> as well. Um, we do our best to kind of keep that running and up to date and um it's getting more traction as well which is like i said dan on the the march preview pod i love the fact as our subscribers on that are going up which is is great and we're, we're really hoping we're putting the effort in and people appreciate that the the views are going up as well so it's nice to see that correlation that more people are subscribing but you're watching as well which makes us think we're definitely on the the right track with the content we're putting up there
1: yeah, that's right. I, I actually have a question for the audience based on based on some of the YouTube stats. It, it tells me that people generally watch about 20 to 25 minutes and then switch off. So if people could just email Andy and just let him know, like, should we keep everything to 25 minutes and just do parts? Or do you prefer me pouring up as one? Uh, just let us know. Cool. dan's been starting to dig
0: into analytics <laughs> that's why i'm an audio guy i like the and hi to the folks watching this on youtube but uh I, I like the old audio platforms myself but yeah it's you know it's the twitter generation and and youtube's a really cool platform as well as well as that we're going to record in a couple of days the the moonfall review which has a lot of really cool themes really interesting themes in terms of ancient civilizations what may or may not be on the moon stuff we'll yeah. talk about on this podcast
1: and not also much more interesting themes than the trailer presented i thought.
0: yes and we're also because we're both big movie fans we get to talk about the movie itself as well but always bringing it back to the the themes that we keep the the podcast around that's going to be one because it's something extra again we're doing on top of the the normal interviews it'll regularly go on to the the paid platforms but the first one will put out free for people to to check out as well but again thanks to everyone who has supported myself and dan through the the youtube platform through patreon apple spotify and everything else it's very much appreciated it's let dan get his new macbook um it's your crowdfunding's allowed us to get to to columbia or dan to get to columbia and represent the podcast it's allowed me to update all this tech thank you very much and if you just listen to the podcast it's it's amazing and getting in touch with us is always appreciated as well so lots to come this month as well as that we've got the part three I'm just saying this off the top of my head now, Tom DeLong. we're going to get recorded as well. That may or may not finish off the series. I don't know yet. It just depends when we we get to writing it. There might be a part four. Um, Yeah, it depends how busy Tom is, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chris Rutkowski should round off the month with the Lou Elizondo show in the middle of the month as well, hopefully. And maybe one other guest, I'll, I'll see where the schedules are at just now. But until next time, Dan, thanks very much.
1: Thank you. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you for sending me to Columbia. Just, yeah, incredible. Thank you.
0: And we'll speak soon, folks. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, AM. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see.
1: It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of The little fucker hovered right at I shut out the screen. He made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a cigarette. Meditated again, faithful on matter. I can't imagine how it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs and there he was. Like you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz. I jumped back and nearly, kissed myself, and I climbed out the window after the elf, And I woke up in my bed, and there was something on my head, and everything was weird, and everything was red. And I called up my boys. They thought this was noise. They thought it was a dream. They thought it was my toys. They thought it was my problems. And they think I should see therapy. And I don't know what it is because it doesn't really scare me. heart.